and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today is the man that makes Gordon Soyle look like a part-time Kelly fan, it's Gaby Mackay. Hello. On the pod today, we're going to look ahead to Aberdeen's clash with Rijeka, Rangers clash with FC Micheland, I think I'm getting that right now, Gaby, it's been it's a couple of... as close as I yeah, can get. it's so. been a couple of weeks. We're going to touch on Ladbrokes pulling out of Scottish football, their £5 million deal ending at the end of next season, at the end of this season, should I say, will not be renewed. We'll start with Aberdeen, Gaby. We've kind of been putting off talking about them because they had a very difficult result at the weekend and we thought it would be nice to sort of tie it in together with this massive second leg uh, tie. Now, first of all, the news coming out of Pataudry is obviously that Sam Cosgrove will not make this European game. That is a massive, massive blow, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely is. When you look at the the squad Aberdeen have got, um, I guess it'll be Curtis Main that'll have to come in, but he's never been a particularly prolific goal scorer. And what they need tonight, obviously, is goals. They're 2-0 down from the first leg, so they need to score at least twice. Uh, If Rijeka score, they need to score four times. So to have to go into that without your top scorer is obviously difficult. Yeah, it's going to be Curtis Main coming in, or Stevie May, who we think they're trying to ship out. So it's obviously not it's not ideal to not have basically your main man up there to, to get the goals on a night when that's absolutely the priority. You know, if it had been last week when they're playing away, you're like, well, maybe get out of here with a, with a nil-nil or whatever. But tonight it's all about scoring goals and that's obviously much more difficult without Sam Cosgrove. Absolutely. The temptation is to think, well, it's going to be a lusty Pataudry night. You know, one of these classic fervent European nights where magic can happen. But I suppose Aberdeen under Derek McInnes haven't been a side that has looked capable very often of going and scoring three goals without reply you know they're a, they're a functional um d- defensively well organized team but they're, they're not natural scorers for me a one nil defeat that it looked like they were going to get over in uh, uh against Rijeka on the first leg that would have been doable but two nil I think is going to be very very difficult for them are they going to need someone like maybe a James Wilson to come in yeah, someone's going to have to step up big time. Uh, Wilson, I, I wasn't hugely impressed with him last mm. season in the times I saw him, but McInnes obviously saw enough in him to bring him back, so there must be a reason for that. So I think it's a night where guys like him absolutely have to step up. As you say, it's it's not easy for Aberdeen. They're not really a team that's built to go chasing goals. That's not their, that's not their style. That's not their forte, uh, but they don't really have a choice. So it, I think, yeah, definitely a guy like Wilson's going to have to step up especially when you look at the players they've lost leaders in that team the guys like Gary Mackay Stephen guys like Graham Shinney and Cosgrove being out obviously someone's going to really have to sort of take the bull by the horns tonight if it is going to be one of those Pataudry nights I think it's really important to get off to a good start hopefully get an early goal and really get the crowd on side Niall McGinn's not really been the force that he once was since he came back from Korea I don't know something seemed to happen over there that he, he's not quite been the same player, but he's very experienced. He's played at the highest possible level. He's played at European Championships and scored, of course. He's not featured prominently for Aberdeen, maybe in the last six months or so, but he's still an important squad player with all that experience. Do you think he's another one like, like Wilson that they might turn to for a bit of creativity, a bit of guile? Yeah, and he's obviously someone who isn't going to be phased by a big occasion, as you say, having played in European Championships and stuff like that so he he'll be another one that you'd, you'd hope would step up especially with Craig Bryson being out in that midfield I think he's not going to play either so that's I know Craig Bryson's not necessarily a creative player but he's another sort of a big name and experienced player who's not going to be there so you'd think that 
a guy like McGinn, if, if he starts, which you, you think with the injuries they have, uh, he would. He's definitely another one who they need a big night for because if you look at that Aberdeen midfield, you've got guys like Lewis Ferguson in there. There's not a huge amount of experience in that midfield with Bryson being out, with Shenny being gone. So absolutely, I think McGinn's somebody uh, who who they need to step up. While you're right about experience, Gaby, I do look at that midfield and you see players like Ojo, Ferguson, who you've mentioned, Dean Campbell, very talented young lad, Bryson. I think they look okay in there. And at the back... I think you can rely on Andy Considine, you can rely on Scott McKenna, good siege defenders, solid, no-nonsense, full-backs, I, I like Logan, uh, they've got the new boy Lee, who's been impressive so far, it's more up front, but, but that's where they need to be strong in a game like this, when you're 2-0 down uh, in a European tie, you need to have quality in the final third, and, and that's possibly where I see them struggling. Looking at back to their game against St Mirren, it was a shocking result. 1-0 defeat. St Mirren have been on a run of poor results. They've looked uh, shaky, to say the least, under their new boss, Jim Goodwin. But signs maybe from the from the St Mirren camp that they're finally their manager is getting his uh, his style across, is getting his philosophy across to the players. He's, he's not had the best of starts in terms of the Betfred Cup, but... A very, very good result for St Mirren. But from Aberdeen's point of view, that is the kind of game they absolutely need to win. Um, what was your takeaways from that? I thought that it was obviously a shock result. I don't. I mean, I don't think any of us saw it coming. You, you kind of look at that, especially with the starts St Mirren have had to the season in the Betfred Cup and whatnot. You think that's, that's a comfortable Aberdeen away win. Aberdeen fans would argue they should have had a penalty, and I think they definitely should have done. It was uh, looked like a handball. Under the new rules. Under the new rules, definitely. Yeah. So I, mean, I felt it wasn't. It wasn't that far out of the silhouette. I mean, no, it wasn't. So I mean, I think it's one of those that by the law is a penalty. I mean, we've discussed before. I don't like the new law. I don't yeah. like the way they interpret it. But under the law, which is what the referee has to apply, I think that was a penalty. But I suppose just to interrupt, I suppose it is kind of a test case for why you don't like it because it wasn't far out. But we now think that's a penalty. So it's that it was one of those ones. That's, is it fair to say maybe a little bit in between? His, he, he, he didn't have it fully extended, but at the same time, it does stop the ball. It does stop the ball in a dangerous position. Yeah, and I think that's one of the problems with the the wording of the law is that how you know how do you define what the natural silhouette is? I mean, yeah. his arm wasn't that far out. Was it outside of his natural silhouette? What does natural silhouette even mean? Who knows? Which again, this is one of the reasons why I don't particularly like the law, but. In my estimation, as I understand the rule, I think it was a penalty. But I don't think Aberdeen can have too many complaints because, I mean, I only saw the highlights of the game and, I mean, I've spoken to uh, St Mirren Sporting Friends and they said that, you know, it was actually a pretty even game. It wasn't like Aberdeen were battering at the door all game. I'm sure they had probably had more possession, they probably had more shots, but you'd expect that for a team like Aberdeen going away to St Mirren. Obviously, positive signs for St Mirren having finally managed to get some players in. I mean, they started the season with, what, 14 players or something yeah. they've got. The, the guy who scored the goal, the Dutch boy whose name escapes Il- me. Ilke Durmas, who I thought looked yes. extremely impressive. Yeah, he did look really impressive. And he looks like one of those guys that fans will really love. You know, a really kind of tricky player. You know, he does the step overs and the tricks. Somebody will get the fans off their seat, which is not necessarily what you'd expect from a Jim Goodwin team, but it's good to have a guy like that in there. It's not every day you see a player attempting an overhead kick at St Mirren, is it? No, it certainly <laughs> isn't, no. <laughs> it was actually reasonably well executed. No, it was. He looks like a very skillful player. Great finish for the goal with his left foot just tucked away right into the corner. The one place that he could really put it that the keeper wouldn't wouldn't have any hope of getting to it. Uh, really good finish. And just his general all-round play, I thought he did, like you say, was exciting uh, and looks like a, a fine for them. I suppose the question will be whether or not he can maintain that form over the course of a season. And if he does, he won't be at St Mirren for too much longer. Just finally on Aberdeen, given that um, Cosgrove appears unlikely to make the game, 
Um, certainly that's what Derek McInnes is saying. <laughs> Would we really be that surprised if all of a sudden he turned up? Probably not. Um, but it looks like Curtis Main is going to start. What was your takeaways from his time at Motherwell? Do you think he's good enough to make an impact at Aberdeen? I've seen quite a bit of him and uh, I, I always was impressed with him in the big games. He seems like a player that's got that mentality. If he's on the TV, he'll produce. But I suppose at Aberdeen, you're going to be expected to do that every single game. Absolutely. I think he's a, he's a very physical striker. He, he'll cause a nuisance for defenders. You'll know you've been in a game if you've come up against him. But he's never been the most prolific. And I think certainly the second half of last season, I think a lot of Motherwell fans were quite frustrated with with what he was providing. Uh, some of them, I believe, were even saying that Connor Salmon should be in the team ahead of him, which probably tells you a little bit about, uh, about, his, yeah, exactly, about his form in the second half of, of last season. Uh, I think he's a decent backup option. I'm not sure if you're going into a game like today's with Curtis Main leading the line. Uh, that wouldn't fill me with confidence if I were an Aberdeen fan. But hopefully he can he can come up with something. Maybe I I can't I'm not going to sit here and profess to watch a whole lot of the Croatian league. I'd imagine maybe it's a bit more technical, a bit more ball on the ground. He's maybe the kind of bull in a china shop kind of effect that might unsettle that Rijeka defence. But I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say I've been studying the Croatian league in depth. I'm just going by what I've seen of their national team and what I've seen of their other teams in Europe. And what you've seen of uh, the Rangers players that have been brought in from the well, the quite Croatian yeah, league. Borna I mean, Barisic would be a, a perfect example. As of that, good as yeah. Nikola Katic has looked, Borna Barisic and. Eros Gresda have been failures, both failing to really cope with the physicality. So, yeah, because they so. both look like they've got a lot of technique. They both look mm. like technical players, like nice on the ball, but look like they struggle with some of the more industrial aspects of Scottish football. So if uh, that's anything to go by, then maybe Curtis Main's the kind of player who could really unsettle that Rijeka defence. Absolutely. Just before we finish off on Aberdeen, what's your prediction for tonight? I am going to go with a glorious failure, because that always seems to be the case with Scottish teams in Europe. Well, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, 2-1. 2-1 Aberdeen. Yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly what will happen. Aberdeen will score early, then it'll be 1-0 at half time. They'll score shortly after the break, they'll be pushing for a third, and they'll concede a goal around the 57th minute, and that'll, that'll be tie over. Fabulously detailed. Uh, why don't you just write that before uh, before the game? And uh, you've got because the last time I did a prediction, I predicted Rangers and Hibs to draw, and it yeah. ended six one to Rangers. That's that, why. <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. Um, okay, Ladbrokes pulling out of Scottish football at the end of this season. It was worth two point five million pounds a year. The latest deal. That is going to be a body blow, you know, for the the clubs, especially in the lower end of the scale, who are living hand to mouth, a lot of them. Um, that's a lot of money flying out the door. It is, absolutely. And I think, there, you know, there are two sides to this. I think a lot of people, myself included, think that there's probably too close a relationship between big gambling companies and football. Uh, but the flip side of that is that clubs need that kind of money. They need the sponsorship money that, that comes in and if Ladbrokes are pulling out is anyone going to match the kind of money they've been paying we're not sure it's probably a reflection on you know the SPFL board and Neil Doncaster and whoever that they clearly don't sell the game well enough to attract any sort of decent sponsorship and it's kind of they'll be scrambling around I think trying to find someone for next season trying to because it looks really it's a really bad sort of PR move if you, your league loses a sponsor and in fact they've announced it this early Ladbrokes as well if it got it one of those, if it got to March or whatever, and Ladbrook said it won't be us next season, and then you know Doncaster ever come out and go, but the sponsor for next season is I don't know Empire Biscuits or whatever, then that would be <laughs> all right. But the fact that they've announced it now and very publicly now, we've got months where the SPFL are going to be scrambling around trying to find a sponsor. It's not a good look. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been without a sponsor for two years previously, um, which was a terrible situation for a league of our prominence. Um, there's a story behind the story here with uh, GVC Holdings, which is the parent company of Ladbrokes, also owns Coral B1 Sporting Bet under their umbrella. They basically changed their corporate strategy, along, I think, around a lot of the negative PR, partially which this website's been responsible for, um, talking about, you know, the... The, the the less than ideal marriage between sports betting uh, and football, especially the the way they uh, really, really fire their message out at you when you're watching a game. It feels like you're getting attacked from all sides about betting. Um, and I think they've, they've decided that that's uh, more hassle than it's worth and they want to get behind the idea of showing that they are taking responsible gambling. Seriously, I suppose you have to... You have to say, well, if they're going to go away and do that, that's a positive thing. Um, well, are they? Are gambling companies really? They don't want responsible gambling. That hits their bottom line. You said that, Gaby. <laughs> well, there are countless examples we could cite of vulnerable customers who have been not only not encouraged to stop betting, but encouraged to keep betting by gambling companies. There was a guy in Ireland who ended up get, going to jail for embezzling about a million pounds from his own company because he was making these bets that he couldn't sustain and a gambling company were giving him all these free hospitality gigs, phoning him up to ask why he hadn't placed bets. It's not I, you know, it's, it's, it's not legally actionable, that's what I'm saying. There are countless examples of gambling companies engaging yeah, I mean, in that kind of behaviour. Listen, you look at um, people that go away to Las Vegas. Uh, big spenders go away to Las Vegas. You know, you get free complimentary drinks, free complimentary sweets. Yes, because they know they'll make the money back that you spend on the slots. Exactly. exactly. But but the, what they're doing here is obviously looking to move away from this uh, the PR situation around it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that means that, unfortunately, Scottish football loses the one benefit that you really get from gambling. Absolutely, uh, yeah. financial backing. Yeah, as I, as I said at the start, that's obviously a massive downside that that money isn't coming in and there's no guarantee that, as you said, we went two years without having a sponsor. There's no guarantee they'll be able to get anyone in to replace them. Over to you, Mr. Doncaster. Uh, correct. Um, okay, well, the other game tonight is, of course, Rangers against Mitchelland. And they appear to have made a signing or, be, well, they've not made a signing yet, but they're on the verge of a signing. And that is of 30-year-old Leicester City midfielder Andy King. Now, you were on last night when this news broke, Gaby. Celtic fans don't seem to be too happy at their old chum, Brendan Rogers for apparently helping Rangers title tilt. Yes, no, I think some of them think he's just trolling them at this point now by sending a, sending a player, who certainly who has been a good player. I mean, I'm sure we'll come on to talking about him as a player, but sending him up the road to Rangers. I did see a tweet from a Rangers fan, which I very much enjoyed, that he said it was obviously that Rangers fan who famously came up to him in the Clyde Tunnel and called him a breath of fresh air. That's obviously <laughs> what sealed the move in that story that definitely really happened. <laughs> I think this is what the word apocryphal was invented for. Correct. Right, um, so King as a player, have you seen a lot of him? I mean, obviously he's, he's had a few loan spells in the Championship, but I mean, he is an established Premier League squad squad guy, so he should come up to Scotland and, and at 30 not be past his best and produce. You'd think so, although he only played, I think, four league games last season. He didn't play at all in the first half of the season for Leicester, then he was loaned to Derby and he picked up an injury. So he's essentially had a whole season without playing, so it's difficult to judge what kind of state he'll be in now. Uh, if he's had injuries like that, that can obviously really affect a player. Certainly, you know, he was part of that Leicester team that won the league. He was certainly a f- perfectly decent Premier League midfielder. And we've seen guys come up here before, you know, look at Yusuf Malumbu at Kilmarnock. You know, he was a kind of destroyer down in the Premier League and he comes up here and he looks like Pirlo, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, 
Okay, Pirlo. I, I, I was exaggerating for comic effect, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so you'd think based on... His, he was good, to be fair. He was. you think based on King's career in the Premier League, uh, he certainly, I think, he's played over 100, 100 odd games for Leicester. As yeah. I said, he was part of a Premier League title winning team. You'd think based on that, that he would certainly be a good sign and certainly someone who could fit in in Scottish football the concern would be that he hasn't played for a year and you just don't know what kind of state a player is going to be in then you don't know how well he's recovered from those injuries and you don't know if he's lost lost a bit of pace because of those injuries and how long it will take him to get up to match sharpness well time will tell but he definitely won't be signed in time to uh, play in this round of the Europa League um, because you have to obviously register your players ages ago but Rangers have got a slightly tough game tonight in the sense that everyone expects them to go through, just like Celtic did against Kludge. And we saw how badly that can go on Tuesday. Once again, Gabe, are you got to tell me you don't have any fears about this one? Uh, very few. I think if Rangers score early, that's basically the tie over because mm-hmm. then Michelin needs four. Uh, Michelin's, I guess, only hope is that they can come and keep a clean sheet and get a 3-0 win, which even then is a difficult ask but get a 3-0 win to go through. So I think if Rangers go out, and as we saw against Hibs at the weekend, as we saw kind of in the first leg, if they come out and really go at them from the start, really sort of aggressive, physical, getting forward and score a goal, I think that'll basically kill it. The only worry, I think, for Rangers would be if Michelin score early and then, you know, you get kind of nerves in the crowd and, you know, we've all been at Ibrox. a player gets sent off. Yeah, well, that could happen. (laughs) Yeah, uh, But we've all been at Ibrox when it's rocking, but Ibrox can be quite a... You know, it can be a nervy place if it's not going well. It can the crowd can turn quite quickly, so we'll need to. Yeah, I think basically what I'm saying is, if Rangers score first, they'll be absolutely fine. If Michelin score early, it could be a nervy night. I don't think Steven Gerrard will set up to go against Michelin to go toe to toe. I think he'll look to do exactly what he did against um, Progress, which is he'll say, "You guys need to come out and score. You guys need to win." We're superb on the counter-attack. Let's be having you. Um, so I fully expect Rangers to be probably a bit testy looking, a bit defensive when it starts. I think there might be a few grumbles around Ibrox because I don't think they will be going out all out to get a goal because they don't need to. Uh, I think the smart thing for Gerard to do is just to have faith in that rapid counter-attack and know that Mitchelland have to attack. And uh, that's actually the best possible situation because Rangers love nothing more than a team that comes and attacks them because they've got the pace in behind. Now, obviously, that'll be dependent on team selection. He might go for a completely different strategy, but I would I would expect that to be the case. Now, given that we know now that it's going to be Rapid Vienna, and the, no, no, Rapid Vienna, well, I'm making that up. Legia Warsaw, Rapid Vienna wouldn't be great, would it? Hundreds no. of miles away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost a different country. Yeah. It's a lot cheaper, though, for fans to go to Warsaw, I think, than it will be, would be to go to Vienna. Certainly to spend money in mm. the local pubs. So that's Are you good saying things. that Warsaw will be packed? <laughs> it's a little history joke for you there. <laughs> yes. Legia Warsaw, is that going to be a difficult one? Certainly on paper, I think it would be. Uh, Polish teams, as we know, are no mugs. You'll be playing in what you'd imagine will be a full stadium with passionate fans. I mean, I think the pictures were going around of the the ultras and the displays they do with yep. the, the pyro, which isn't allowed in European competition, but will probably be getting in anyway. Um, I think uh, Legia Warsaw, certainly I think I've been in the group stage of the Europa League the last few years. I 
I haven't checked this, but I've, I've seen them popping up a few times, certainly. I think it, that's a very difficult tie. Um, do we know our Rangers away from home first or are they at home first? Um, it's the away leg first. Right, so if you go if you go over there and you, you go to the away leg, okay, you can score an away goal, which is an advantage, but if you go there and you don't score and you maybe get a, a 1 or 2 nil beaten, then that leaves you a big hill to climb at Ibrox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, time will tell on that one. Uh, Rangers obviously have to get past their tie tonight before we can start looking ahead to that, but it should be an interesting one from Ibrox, and we'll obviously have all the coverage at footballscotland.co.uk. Well, that's all from us. Um, we're going to pop off, but we'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us on the website, on our social media channels, or on Facebook at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or to make a comment to us individually, you can obviously contact us on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Gaby is at... At Gaby Mackay. And also don't write in to tell me that uh, Dumas is not Dutch. He was born in Belgium and plays for Turkey. I've realised that now. Thank you. <laughs> Until tomorrow. Thanks for listening.